We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Coming up, the latest on the Kansas City Royals from our team here at KCSN. All of our Royals content is brought to you by KC Strength and Conditioning, experts in baseball and softball training for kids ages 8 to 18. If you're in need, you're in luck. John and his crew have sent hundreds of players to college and the pros. That's KC Strength and Conditioning. And now, it's time for the latest updates on your Kansas City Royals. What's up, y'all? This is One Royal Way here on Kansas City Sports Network. I'm Joel Penfield. Jordan Foote and Josh Geiser joining me as always. Josh, how was your father's day? It was uh, fantastic. Uh, my family knows me very well and knows exactly what I got, and that is Joe's Kansas City barbecue pizza. Holy crap. Like, this year is a Z-Man interpretation with, like, onion rings on it, and it's oh, risk going to burn in, so... It is a little bit of a downer on that part, but boy, that onion ring absolutely kills it. It was awesome. That you? looked spectacular when I saw the thing. No, it was great. Um, actually, it was down. It took a little vacation. My uh, Two of my best friends from college and I find a, a time during the summer. We all get together. We all live in different parts of the country, but we all just meet up in Dallas and got to go to the ballpark in the new Globe Life Field, went to Rangers Blue Jays. Uh, got a, a beer bat because you just have to do that. It was cheaper there than it was at Kaufman, by the way. Mm. Um, but no, it was a great game. Rangers won and had an awesome time. And my, one of my best friends, too, uh, he and his wife are having a baby right around the same time my wife and I are expecting. So it was his first Father's Day as well, so to speak. So it was uh, it was good to celebrate. We had a great time. Nice. Jordan, did you you celebrate Father's Day in any, any form or fashion? Uh, I didn't do anything crazy. I'm um, just sit around and drink beer and hang out we didn't do a fancy dinner we like grilled you know all that typical stuff yeah um but nothing crazy um i obviously am not a father yet i hope to be one day so i am not you know in a rush i like our producer nick am on the five-year plan with uh getting settled down and all that nick said am i sure i'm not a hundred i did attend arizona state for a year um but <laughs> I was a very responsible college student, and I am almost 100% sure that I'm not a father. So I definitely have not celebrated Father's Day just yet. Hey, fair enough. Well, we we got a lot to get into in this episode today. We actually have some like really good stuff to talk about, I think, in this one. It's not completely doom and gloom like the last uh, few episodes have been. Uh, we, we can't thank Kansas City Strength and Conditioning enough for sponsoring this show, giving us this platform. Day one supporters here at KCSN, be sure to check them out. If you have a baseball or softball player in the area that needs a place to train, uh, Royals reliever Austin Cox, that's where he trains in the offseason. He has not allowed a base runner in his career so far. I think it's 28 batters that he has not allowed a base runner. So very, you know, okay, hey, we can thank KCSC uh, some for, for helping out with that and giving the Royals at least one arm in the bullpen that feels like it's pretty consistent outside of Chapman and Barlow. And then one more thing to plug before we get into the, the meat of the episode, uh, be sure to join us for our second annual Tacos and Bourbon Golf Tournament uh, sponsored by Holiday Distillery and Mission Taco out at Sunflower Hills Golf Course in Bonner Springs. There's going to be a ton of drinks and food provided again by Holiday and Mission prizes giveaways a silent auction and one golfer has the chance to sink a shot for one million dollars for more information to sign up check out the link in the description uh, for any sponsorship inquiries and additional questions 
contact Christian Gumminger at KCSNFoundation at gmail.com. So after starting the year, this is this is from Jason Anderson over at 810. Uh, after starting the season 18 and 51, the Royals are two and two over their last four games. Uh, so huge, huge turnaround there. <laughs> Don't call it a comeback. Don't but listen to Hey, to be fair, I said season starts today when they started 17 and 38 and they've won three games since. <laughs> so I mean <laughs> So what's that? Yeah. Three and Three and a thirteen. Line. Three and a line. Yeah, My math is so bad. Yeah, three and fourteen. So, yep, not much I, better. I digress. <laughs> the win on Saturday, the walk off against the Angels, and then we were recording. The game just ended like five minutes before we all hopped on here. Uh, the Royals getting a one zero victory in Detroit. Uh, go for the uh, the rubber match tomorrow uh, there in Detroit. But I want to talk mainly, at least to start out, about the. Uh, I guess, do we want to start with the Saturday, the game today since it's a little more fresh in our minds? Yeah, that's fine. Sure. Okay, cool. All right, so we'll go to that because the, the main thing from this game, there wasn't a ton of offense. Michael Garcia had three hits. He's been awesome lately. Um, bonafide big leaguer there. Uh, we don't need to keep belaboring that point. But Daniel Lynch tonight, seven shutty, two strikeouts, a couple walks, but only gave up one hit. Threw 40 fastballs, 28 changeup. He's mostly been fastball slider. Only seven sliders tonight. So he had really had the changeup working. The fastball was effective enough. This is a a great start from him. We talked about him a few weeks ago that, you know, the, the start against the Rockies was not spectacular, um, but you could see some good things from him after that first inning blew up on him a little bit. Had a decent start after that, and then got absolutely rocked by the Reds. Just goes out there and just wears it for seven innings, seven earnings. And then the start today comes out and really just shoved and pitched to a ton of contact, got some early early count outs, only threw 78 pitches in seven innings. Uh, very, very pitch efficient, which is something we really have not seen from the Royals at all. Uh, for pretty much any starting pitcher, Jordan Lyles did it one time, but but that's it. So this And this is from Dave Holtzman, the great statistician uh, and baseball information guy for the Royals. Since pitch counts have been a thing, so since about 2000, Daniel Lynch tonight is the first Royals pitcher to ever toss seven shutout innings on 78 pitches or fewer. So a very rare start from a Royals pitcher, but a welcome one. Gave the bullpen a little bit of a break. We're able to hand it over to Chapman and Barlow. Got a little hairy, but hey, they still found a way to get a win, 20th win of the year in you know June 20th. But hey, you know we'll take any win that we can get at this point. Um, really, really nice to see from Daniel Lynch, and hopefully he can take this into his next start every fifth day and, and keep it rolling. Yeah, and really, you talk about eating up innings, right? And the Royals yeah. have a guy that everyone said, oh, he's going to come eat innings, and this was literally doing that minus the, oh, he's going to also give up seven runs, or oh, he's going to go nine innings, but he's going to give up five, or whatever it's going to be. Like, this was a very... Very good outing, and people saw the two strikeouts or whatever it was and were probably a little bit concerned. His stuff looked fine. Like, he looked very effective, and he pitched to contact. The defense behind him did its thing. Like, it was not a uh, fluky type, oh, he got really lucky, and he got just absolutely shelled, and the defense in the outfield was making crazy plays. Like, sure, he gave up some hard-hit balls. That's literally almost guaranteed to happen in any start for any pitcher. Um, he did fine, and he got through seven he really was very efficient with the pitch count. He wasn't walking a ton of guys. He looked really good. This is the best we've seen him since he got back. Um, it's not really close, I don't think, and that ERA is trickling down. I think if there's one guy, and I, I said this earlier Tuesday, actually, I was talking to somebody about it. If you had to hitch your wagon to one pitcher the rest of the way for the Royals, I think at least in the rotation to like figure it out, quote-unquote, or at least keep it going, I think it's him. I don't think it's Brady Singer. I think it's Daniel Lynch. I actually I don't disagree at this point. Yeah, the only the only caveat to that I think is maybe Chris Bubich because if he is what he was before he got hurt, which is obviously a big question, I think I was very pleased with his progress. Um, so I, I think that might be a challenger. But of course, the point remains Daniel Lynch looks the best of the three just because of availability at the moment. But that would be my only my only I guess input on that. But kind of going back to Lynch, seventy eight pitches. Well, just 10 of them were not part of the face that were... Okay, let me start that again. 
78 pitches, and only 10 of them were not fastballs and changeup. He was living off that fastball changeup combo. And looking at the zone, he was hitting up very high and kind of living up in the in the strike zone with that fastball. And a lot of, and, and they were talking about on the broadcast that it was a lot of uh, front door changeups to righties from Daniel Lynch. And I am all the way here for that. Uh, yes, for that type of work and that kind of action and that kind of a strategy. But I mean, if you're only throwing breaking balls that few, I mean, you must be feeling yourself or, I mean, at least the changeup and the fastball are at least working, doing their thing tonight. So, uh, I had, I didn't get to watch the the start, but I mean, I'm very, that's an efficient thing. And I, that's something that I don't think we've seen a lot of from Daniel Lynch period. So uh, I'm very pleased with that for sure. The, the development of him throwing that front door changeup glove side is mm-hmm. massive. Like he is, his changeup has been very effective this season, which he's mostly been fastball slider, and then it's finding that third pitch, that knuckle, that kind of spike curve that he throws, or mm-hmm. the changeup. And a lot of the changeups have been arm side, fading away from righties, fading into lefties, and it's worked. But to be able to throw that thing and feel the command now on both sides of the plate is a great equalizer for him, considering the fa- his fastball is not spectacular. Like, it's not got this elite shape to it. It's not got elite velocity. Uh, so being able to play off of that and be a little more of a crafty lefty, so to speak, uh, is a, a really nice development for him. And you, I think that's a testament to what Sweeney and Bo have been able to figure out for him, uh, to be able to command that that changeup to both sides. And that was a 47% whiff rate on that changeup tonight. Yes, that is a big deal. He got nine whiffs on it. That's a big yeah. deal. If, you, if, you, if you're doing that by just living off of that and maybe showing them a, a breaking ball every now and then, that's crazy. That's dominant. That is, I mean, yeah. it's not, it's not going to show up in the box score, but that's incredible. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Moving into the other win and we're not, this is not us trying to gloss over the losses, but like why harp on it? If we all know what happened. We all know what happened. <laughs> and yeah. And Saturday was looking like that to, to a certain mm. point. I mean, Mike Mayer's got absolutely rocked and it was eight to two. And you're thinking, all right, just chalk this one up and move on to Sunday and hope you can salvage something. And, the young kids just stepped up. Bobby had two massive hits late in the game, uh, and he's been—I don't—I don't have the stats in front of me, but I know it's been talked about a lot that he's been one of the worst, like clutch hitters, like high leverage situation guys in the sport the last couple of years. Some of that's just pressing and being young. Yeah, it happens. But to see those two hits fall, and especially that double that was absolutely ripped, and then he gets the the dunk single uh, to fall in to tie it. Prado gets an, a nice hit there as well. MJ almost took the lead, and M- Mickey Moniak made a spectacular play, but yeah. gave it an opportunity. And then you give up the lead again in the ninth, and you think it's just oh god, how did they found another creative way to lose? Dyron Blanco comes up, gets on, or uh, no, it wasn't him. It was a, uh, I know he pinch ran. It was Oli. Oli dunks one in. Blanco steals second, gets the third on some aggressive base running. Michael Garcia comes through. And then Samad Taylor comes up after a wild pitch and a stolen base, gets a winning run to third. And it had two had a couple really solid at bats in his big league debut, a couple walks, and comes up and hits one to dead center. And it's a, a single first hit to walk off, and the Royals get one of their biggest wins of the year, probably the best win of the year, in my opinion, uh, from a like emotional roller coaster perspective, like to be able to to win that game. I think it was uh, our guy David Lesky said that was a Christmas Eve game for the the Valley Sports Marathon. 100% that one is. Um, it shows a lot because they've lost so many games that way specifically. It either like either they're getting blown out in the sixth inning and it's just kind of done before the Royals even really have a chance to come back, or they've gotten it back and then lost the lead again and then they're just deflated in the ninth and the game is over. To find a way both times to come back and find a way to win is the maturing of a young team. It is the resiliency of a team uh, that, despite the record, is still not going down without a fight, and they're not not just going to roll over and die, uh, even if their you know win loss record may that you you may think that that would be the case. It's not the case at all. These guys are keep fighting. You could see how relieved and excited they were on Saturday. I bet that win was very cathartic for a lot of those guys. Not only did it end an eleven game win streak or losing streak, but to win the game the way they did was, I think, a huge development moving forward, even if it doesn't lead to a ton more wins and, like, stacking a ton on top of each other. 
it's just good to have something like that on the docket. And it was, it was great to be part of Royals Twitter for the first time since opening day. No kidding, man. <laughs> it was, it was, uh, it was one of those games where you have the the emotional comeback, which is in and of itself cool. The Samad Taylor debut, cool. The fact that he was the walk off hit hit also very cool it was just a very good feeling game and like joel you said the resiliency kind of had me thinking like even when they gave up the lead in the ninth it didn't matter to me because they had already made that comeback showed that they were able to do that that they could have just lost their 11th game in a row and decided nah man today is going to be different we got some momentum to seize it let's actually have some clutch moments uh somehow i think they were six and ten with runners in scoring position that day they walked as much as they struck out with runners in scoring position, and in general, they did. Um, so it's just like, finally, we could all celebrate and kind of ease the tension a little bit, even if they were in the middle of a 10-game slide and then ended up losing the next day, and then the next day, it didn't matter for once. And that was so refreshing. It reminded me why I love baseball. I, I, it's been a grind for the first three months for all the Royals fans. And especially us who are in the content game trying to trying to stay positive and just try to bring some levity to this team. And it was just it was a very good palate cleanser. It was reminding us why we love baseball, why we feel romantic about baseball, and why we follow baseball. It was great. Well, and I think uh, we'll talk more about Bobby Wood Jr. after our break here in a second. But for him, like Joel said, to have such bad numbers in those high stress moments and high leverage and not be the guy that um, is capitalizing on those opportunities and being the savior and being, you know, the superstar player, like the huge talent to have a game like that, where I think that those were his only two hits all night. Like he went two for five and they were both the biggest hits of the night for him um, and for the whole team to drive in four runs to be, Basically, like I know Samad Taylor was the hero with the walk-off. Like Bobby Wood Jr. was the hero of the game. Um, that was big for him, I think, because he hasn't been the hero of the game a ton thus far because it's not really a sport where you can be the hero of the game. Like usually it is a team effort, um, but he really did come up huge in that comeback. And if you would have told me you could have given me the best odds in the world, I wouldn't have bet on them coming back in that game because that's the type of season it's been. I'm like, A, this team has lost a bunch and be the fashion in which they've lost. They don't have the resiliency, the bounce back, the, the gumption to do it. I was like, they just don't. And they did. So um, it, it is a positive. They're playing 500 ball in their last four games. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, they are literally, but <laughs> they it's are, not hey. like they're a 500 team, of course. <laughs> but um, those are the types of games where you can get one or two more down the stretch, if not more knowing that you've came back before. So now it's not literally, oh, they're all down and out. It's okay, well, they've come back and did this before. Maybe there's a chance they can do it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was something just great to build on. You can see some of it tonight, just that resiliency, you know, being able to hold on in a game. Like Winning is an infectious thing, and when you have a game like that, you know you can kind of go back to the well and go, hey, we've been here before, high-stress game, we got to get it done, and they did it tonight. So there, there's a little bit of, both games, even though the, the scores look vastly different, it kind of goes hand in hand. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll come back and talk about Bobby Wood Jr. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. So a lot has been made, at least at least a lot of was made for the first two months about Bobby Wood Jr. underachieving, being a, you know, just go look at Royal Twitter the first two months before they're talking about Bobby. You'll, you'll get there. We had a long conversation about this last week. I don't need to, we don't need to rehash that too much. But since the calendar has turned to June, seems like things are really starting to click for him the way that we've, we've talked about. Since June 1st, and this is unfortunately not including the game on the 20th tonight, he went 0 for 4, but he had another walk, which is six walks in his last eight games, which for him, massive de- development, considering he didn't walk for the previous 20 games after this eight-game stretch. But in June, he's hitting 323, 373, 452, with the 129 weighted runs created plus, only striking out 10.4% of the time and walking 7.5%, which is for him... That's a big number because he's walking around 5% now. He is walking more this year compared to last year. He is striking out less this year compared to last year. The slug is higher, and the weight runs created plus is creeping up to about where he was last year. It was 94 coming into tonight. Now, 6% below league average, but on the flip side of that, again, we still have the elite defense, which is, you know, at this point, it's pretty much leveled out. You need a pretty good sample size for outs above average and some of that stuff to really level down but he's still one of the top shortstops defensively in the sport. He has the seventh highest war among all shortstops in baseball right now, um, above some pretty big names. I'll pull up that that graph next. I don't want to talk too long. I want to let, make sure Jordan and Josh get in here. But, hey, guys, Bobby Wood Jr. is a pretty damn good baseball player. I'll just say, like, I'll say that. When he is clicking and when it is going, it is really damn fun. And you can like you can see, and we've the, the talent has oozed out even in the struggles, like you could see it and you could see this starting to happen at the end of May when he was just blistering baseballs right at people. And it's like, okay, this is going to come around. And if you want to look at just the simplest, the simplicity of a savant page and see the red dots around the batted ball stuff, like, okay, it's going to get there. He's going to break out. Those hits are going to fall. They started to do that. And the numbers are starting, the results are starting to catch up with the process. It's really good to see. It is very encouraging for this team that really needs something to cling on to right now. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I pulled back my arbitrary begin point to when he got moved off the leadoff spot on May 22nd. So 24 games, 102 plate appearances entering uh Tuesday's game, hitting 295, weighted runs created plus 122, striking out less than 16% of the time. The exit velocity is up, the barrel rates up, the hard hit rates up, the line drive rate is up. Um, and the Annie Rogers article that she dropped, I think, on Tuesday morning. Um, he's hitting fastballs better from opening day until May 22nd, hit 216 against fastballs with a 405 uh, slugging percentage. Now, since May 23rd until Tuesday's game, hitting 333. So he's got to hit on a third of the fastballs he's faced. He's slugging 563 against them. And I think it was Royals Farm. I think it was Duvall who made it a point to show that he's setting his hands a little bit higher, it seems, when, when he's getting ready. Yep. So um, he's making minor tweaks. And again, this is an example, and I think Annie's article mentioned it, 
that game on the 22nd or the 23rd, whichever one it was against Detroit, I believe, going out there and making that adjustment in conjunction with getting moved off the lead-up spot. It wasn't just, oh, we're going to take some pressure off of you. It was, oh, we're going to do that, but we have a reason for it. We're also going to make you know a minor tweak, but still we're trying to break a habit that you've had for X amount of time. And when he came up, I personally didn't think he'd struggle a ton against fastballs. I was like, okay, he'd struggle against some off-speed stuff. It would even out. Um, he's probably not going to do this much damage against fastballs long-term, but it is going to improve if he can keep doing this. So the combination of getting moved off the leadoff spot, getting some better luck, and making like a tangible adjustment, that will lead to a better player. So is he going to be a 122 or 135 or whatever way to run screen plus the rest of the way. I don't know. I would bet no, but still can he get up to 99 and then jump up to like 105 by the end of the year? I think that's possible. When you combine that with the defense, you combine that with the profile, with the base running, you're getting objectively probably the best player on the team. Completely agree. And I think he basically took all my notes outside of one so he has been more effective against fastballs. He's also seeing them at a 10% less rate during that span, that that 522 to now span. It was prior, he was seeing 52% fastballs, and now it was just 43% during that stint. So I think that might a little, I mean, help a little bit to that because it's obviously the most, the, the pitch he struggles the most on, and that's not a coincidence, I don't think. So maybe a small red or small yellow flag, let's say a yellow of maybe we need to make sure that he's doing damage across all fastballs when he's getting them more than half the time, like he's going to uh, at this point. So I think that's something else. The other thing is he's clearly got a change in approach. He walked again tonight. He is chasing 6% less than he was prior to that May 22nd date. So there's actual approach. He's actually watching balls. He's actually trying to get in hitters counts. Cotrero did say that in his in Annie Rogers' piece as well, is that he is seeing like timing is there is a big deal on batters, obviously, but he's also looking pitches. He's trying to get into hitters counts. He's trying to put more pressure on the pitcher. And those are all things that you only get with reps at the major league level. Yep. So he's getting and doing what he needs to do. He just happens to be, you know, it's kind of, <laughs> I'm glad you kind of pointed that out that he made those mechanical adjustments and he was taking out a lead off spot kind of simultaneously in those in those same one or two days. So the fact that that's happening is huge for this ball club, for this organization, for this fan base. And now we can finally trade him at his top value. Shut so up, Josh. Those, start bringing those packages to, to one royal way, and we will uh, examine them with full critique. I knew it was going to happen. Hey, I absolutely hey, Josh. <laughs> hey, hey, Josh. Yes. Hmm? Shut the fuck up. Okay. <laughs> Deal. I think that's fair. I don't know my point. I thought I lost my when I was about to go. Yeah, you threw Joel off big gonna, time. You Every time, so, man. Joel is shook, like, buddy. It, it, I, I have one good pitch. It's a curveball known as trade Bobby Witt Jr. And it always locks it always locks Joel up. Always. Uh what I was going to say was something that that Alex and I talked about a lot on, on a previous podcast uh, on a different network. When we looked at Bobby Wood Jr. in the minor leagues, you could see how, that he was antsy at the plate to just do damage. And he was always looking to do damage, which is fine. Like there is a certain element of what he's, you know, what he's going to do is he, there are times where he's going to try and just swing and get his A swing off. That's fine. But too often it was like, man, these pitchers are terrified to pitch to you. Because they know if you get on base, you're either going to park it in the in the seats or you're going to hit a single that's going to turn into a double because you're going to steal second base. So they don't want this guy on base. They don't want to give him a cookie because he'll park it. And he gets up to the big leagues, and once people realize that he was going to chase, then you could just see it just starts to snowball and starts to pile. We're getting to that point where I think it has truly clicked in his mind. These dudes don't want to pitch to me. Like they don't because they don't want me on base right now. Mm-hmm. And if and it, it, I'm not even asking him to walk at a Juan Soto rate. I like just if he can get up to like eight percent, then I think yeah. it, that's perfectly sustainable for him yeah, because he's not striking good. out at a crazy t- amount. Yep. So it, like it's all it's all relative here. We're not asking for some 
drastic market change, but he's walking 5.2% right now, which is higher than last year. Can he get up to like seven and a half or 8%, which is about where he's at in the month of June? We're looking at like the, we're starting to see the full force of what Bobby Wood Jr. can be at the big league level. Like it is that, like it's that fine of a change and we're starting to see it. Now, can he continue to do it is the thing because people are, it's again, we've talked about that cat and mouse of the adjustments of the adjustments. And those adjustments are going to come. And hey, maybe maybe pitchers realize that he's not hammering fastballs the way we think. And they're just going to keep peppering him until he can do it. And then it's a matter of making that adjustment and moving forward. Seven and a half percent walk rate in June. He's got a 129 WRC plus. There yeah. it is. There's your exactly. sustainability, Jordan. So looking at the, this is at the, the F4 leaderboard among shortstops. I mentioned that he's seven. These are the, those are the the players above him: Wander Franco, Bo Bichette, Dansby Swanson, Tyro Estrada. Interesting. Mm. Uh, Francisco Lindor, Xander Bogarts, and then Bobby. Below Bobby, just some notable names: Jeremy Pena, Trey Turner, J.P. Crawford, Carlos Correa, Willie Adamas, Javi Baez, Anthony Volpe. He's 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 in good, good company, company as it sits yeah. right now. Yes. Now Wander Franco is going nuts this year, and he's got a three point three F four already. Um, but I think Sands is actually a. I know it's crazy. That that dude is so good. So, so I, I so as I'm thinking about it, and I'm just moving on. I know I need to go to break, but I just want to get this. Otherwise, I will forget it. But Dansby, I think, is actually a pretty good comp for Bobby, especially if Bobby can continue the elite defense. Because this was Dansby Swanson in the first part of his career. He had a 107 way to run straight at plus in his age 22 season. That's like a 38 game sample. His first three years, Wader and Scrated Plus at 63, 79, 91, and then he finally had to 115 in the 2020, short in 2020, and then 99, 116, 110. I think Bobby can be better than that, but I think it's also he, that's a top pick, that it took a little bit longer for him, but he always had the elite defense calling card, and once really got the hit tool going, he became an extremely valuable player. And it's happening a little sooner for Bobby right now. And he also had college. Bobby, like, He made his debut at 22, but he played three years in college. I think Dansby had a little bit better of a, a grasp of the strike zone prior. Sure, I mean, at least professionally or at the major leagues he did, but he wasn't stealing bases like Bobby is, mm-hmm. not even close. So it's it's a tough comp. I mean, I always go back. I, I guess it's more but... like the, it t- it kind of goes back to the it takes time thing. It's kind of where I'm getting at. Yes, I, I think sure. that's more what I'm trying to get out here rather than trying to 100%. truly compare the two players. Because they, they profile a lot differently, but I think it's the top pick. It took a little bit, but once they got it, they became incredibly valuable. I think it's yeah. more that's the the route that I'm trying to take this. For sure. Uh, yep. Before I sounding more stupid, we're just going to take another break. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. So, looking at some of the roster transactions that have happened over the last couple of days after getting rocked by uh, by the uh, Angels on Saturday, Mike Mayers uh, was DFA'd and Brooks Kriske was selected from uh, AAA Omaha. That one I thought was interesting. I... I, I'm looking on the back of a milk carton for Dylan Coleman at this point. Like, was Dylan Coleman just the friend? Was Dylan Coleman just the friends we made along the way? Is that what is that what this was? 
I yeah, I don't know. I, I I they're just so they want them to throw all the sliders and nothing else, yeah. and only down at AAA is where you find your sliders apparently. But uh, they got a yes. plan. I'm, I trust it, but it's just very strange. Yes, I mean I I don't I don't hate it. Like it's a fresh arm. What, it kind of goes back to our old adage: the way this season, some of the roster moves, it's like what the hell they have to lose. Like it just kind of feels that way to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the another roster move that was made. This was from yesterday. Uh, Matt Beatty was selected from Omaha. The um, the corresponding move to get him on the forty was Vinny Pasquantino, who at this point is done for the year, torn labrum. He's getting surgery soon, uh, and he's out for the year. That just sucks. Like, in a season that has been full of kicks to the nuts, I think that one hurts the most. Uh, and, Beatty, and Beatty is currently on the roster because Michael Massey is on the 10-day injured list with a left-hand laceration, which mm-hmm. came from trying to bunt to begin a BP session, which, again, could only happen to the Royals this season. <laughs> yeah, not, not the how you want to go. No, good God. Didn't Chris Getz like break his hand trying to bunt one time? Yes. Way back in the day. Like those teams were also not good, but it was. I don't know. I don't know how the hell that didn't happen all the time. Like they, I mean, dude, I would absolutely shatter my shit trying to bunt. Like, granted, I'm not trained, but like, even if I was trained, like, you want me to step up there and literally put my hand in harm's way against a big league pitcher? Like, I, I wouldn't do it. I'd ignore the sign every time. I'm not bunting for shit. That's why you don't bunt. That's that's why the bunt, like, just don't do it. Not worth it. Not at all worth it. Not not at all. I made some comments preseason about Matt Beatty and the thought of him on this roster. And then he ends up on the roster and hits the RBI double in a 1-0 win tonight. So I guess karma just got me. But, hey, you know, he he helped the Royals get a win. Good for him. Yeah, it's not an anti-Matt Beatty thing. It is simply just I'd rather see younger guys get the at-bats. But, hey. It obviously worked tonight, so good for him. Uh, any thoughts on some of the roster move? Any other thoughts on some of the roster moves? I I think just Pasquantino is the only notable. Like, not that they're God. I always think I'm implying that the other guys aren't notable, <laughs> but Pasquantino yeah. by far, I think, uh, far and away the most of all that list. And you just hate seeing guys get hurt, no matter if they're you know good players, bad players, whatever. Um, it always sucks, especially season-ending injuries, especially young players. And then you have the holy trinity of not only season-ending, not only young, but also one of the best players on the team. So that does suck um, for him, sucks for the Royals. Now, the only blessing in disguise, I think, is that you get it taken care of now and it doesn't yeah. persist longer. Like, cause He's had some shoulder problems off and on for the past year the number the power numbers were down like people were starting to question you know what's going on um not necessarily correlating with one another but comes back next year in a season that will potentially matter a little bit more than this one i can't really see how it couldn't but um get that taken care of come back and i'm pretty sure he'll be fine do we want to kind of talk about the injuries uh annie rogers I mean, she's doing there's a lot. Work. There's a ton. Yeah, she is. She is absolutely earning every dime that she is making this year following the Royals. And one of the best things that she does is the very thorough and yeah. uh, detailed uh, injury reports that we get every week. So it, uh, the pitching staff is very strange and shallow. And Brooks Krisky is getting called up and trying to figure out what to do with Austin Cox and Michael Mayers and whatever. It does seem like Yarbrough is coming back. He's on a uh, rehab assignment, which is just a, a yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm curious to see what happens to Yarbrough because I, I got to think that gets in your head at some point. Like any, yeah, any time oh, yeah. you get in, that, that's got to get in your head. Um, so he's coming back uh, eventually. Keller is expected to start, uh, to probably be available starting at the end of June, potentially like next week. Um, it seems like so we'll see about that. And then on Hill, Angel Zerpa is uh, expected to be like early July availability, but he's starting to rehab in Northwest Arkansas last week. Uh, I think he pitched a scoreless inning. I think he's still, yeah, he's got four so far. Four. four. Yeah. Oh, that'll, that'll work. But I, I've, I've been curious to see what he can do on the major league level. He's kind of flashed a little bit, but he's still very, very young. So I, I don't know. It's going to be an assessment year for him too, especially coming off the surgery he had, but 
there are some more reinforcements. There are some uh, uh, some depth coming, and, and at that point, maybe we'll have a five man rotation for the first time since beginning of May. I don't know. It just seems okay. like forever on that. Can I level with you guys real quick? Do it. Yeah. I forgot Brad. Ke- I forgot Brad Keller existed. <laughs> I forgot Brooks Kresge existed when he got called yep. up. So see, okay. I don't have Josh Taylor is also out there. Josh Taylor, we have also soon. I forgot he is here. Then I guess Kyle's Bell is technically Kyle's Bell working one. on his rehab assignment. So so two get things. Two things. Brooks Christie got taken yard on his second pitch the other night on the day he was yeah. called up. It is what it is. But he did have seven scoreless appearances. Uh, his last seven appearances in AAA was scoreless. He had a forty six point four percent K rate and a ten point seven percent walk rate. Um, I'm not expecting much, but I do. I mean, why not at this point? That's I'm completely fine with that. I don't have much else to say about them. Yeah, yeah. it's it's like a Michael. It's like a Michael Mayers thing, and we can we can peel back that onion after. So we should probably go Isbell real quick, and then Mayers, and then we can probably move on after that. Yeah, Yeah. Mayers is DFA. I mentioned that earlier. We will always have the six perfect endings in St. Louis. Uh, Nobody would get that. Um. (laughs) Yeah, Kyle Spells on a rehab assignment right now in Omaha. Looks pretty solid. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me because I've 1049 LPS through four games. Seems wow. good. Seems good. Yeah. That'll yeah, seems yeah. seems pretty solid. So then you get the roster crunch again in the outfield, which seems Bingo. like a never ending thing. Exactly uh, what I wanted to talk about. I I think I'm I mentioned I might have mentioned it last week. Um when we talked about Dyron Blanco. That probably is the move. Like I think it's not. It's not necessarily because Samad Taylor has lit the world on fire, but sure. I think having that person, the positional versatility that he provides, may make him a little more intriguing to keep on the big league roster. And Nate Eaton's already down, correct? He he's already down, and move. he has to be down there for a while. Um, yeah. Are we renaming it the Nate Eaton Memorial Highway? Is that what we're, what we're renaming I twenty nine now? It might be, but like Nate Eaton has sometimes done stuff to get sent down. Like, not that it's been one yeah. since, but like he's struggled. Like, right. Edward Olivares wasn't nearly as bad when they're like, yeah, you're coming up. Now you're going down. You're coming up. You're going down <laughs> every single day. It's, yeah. But yes, the premise is, is the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would yeah. think that, I don't know, Dyron Bronc- Blanco has been serviceable. He's been sure he's been hitting. He's been stealing bases. He's been playing decent outfield. I, maybe maybe it is the move. Maybe it is Samad Taylor, depending on what happens with Michael Massey's hand. I did see, let's see, they think he could be back next week. Um, okay. They did retroactive that uh, that 10-day IL stint, so he could be back gotcha. on the 25th, I think. So to kind of, his model kind of depend on that, uh, especially if they both kind of come back at the same time. You may not need Samad Taylor as much. But yeah. the other wild card here is Olivares being traded before then. He yeah. is a liability in the outfield. It is that's not like good. Understatement. Yeah, another huge error in last night's game against the Tigers that that turned a double into, and I can't remember, but it was real bad, really bad. Really ugly. Really yeah. ugly. So, but he his bat is undeniable. He's been hot with that stick again. I mean, that's what all he does at the major league level is hit. He just can't play any defense. So let's see what. The Yankees need a D. Uh, yes, the, he the screams Rangers. big market. He screams yeah. big market, big spending, big investment, big swing. Like just, I, I think I comped it to a very, 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 very light, like homeless man's version of like a Jorge Soler logic. Like you know he sucks at defense. You're just gonna hope he can catch lightning in a bottle at the plate and give you at least something, and kind of be that dynamic presence. Then you get into like. The I think I made the Franchi Cordero trade comp. Like the Royals just have these weird toolsy, oh, I think there's something out there type hitters. And obviously Solaire was way, way more proven than either of those guys um have been. But you ship them off somewhere and they don't fit defensively. The Royals just have to have people that play at least respectable defense. Like they don't field unless you're um Hunter Dozier for the most part, guys that <laughs> That was not called for at all. That was not called not, for at all. Like, um, that was absolutely not called for. But long story short, I'm sorry, Hunter, if you're listening to this. He he's just not a fit. And the timeline, like he's not old, but he's also 
20 he fits another team's timeline better he fits another team's yeah. needs better he fits another team's lineup better and he can be dialed back into being played a couple times a week on a different team that has you know playoff aspirations that I wouldn't be surprised if he did and in that situation and had a key hit in a playoff game or had a crazy walk-off oh, yeah. home run and everyone said oh look that guy was royal this year and everyone you know, complains on Twitter, but uh, I'm with Josh. I think I wouldn't lean that he's going to be traded, but like, I think it does make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I could totally see posts and hero Edward Olivares, like somewhere. I like, absolutely see that happening, which would be hysterical, yep. but I can, I can totally see that. Yeah. Um, guys, did, did we jinx Taylor Clark? He's, I think we yeah. did. I think we did. Um, we talked about he had 15 consecutive scoreless outings dating back to the beginning of June. They're like the middle of May, basically. And he goes in on uh, Saturday, gives up a bomb to Otani. But if anyone is going to break up a long scoreless streak like that, it's going to be the greatest baseball player that's ever existed. And then he comes into the game last night after I mean, Jordan Lyles pitched very val- valiantly. Like, you only go one run. Wasn't bad. Nothing was really terrible. Like he did what you needed him to do. And then Taylor Clark came in and just got blasted. It was not good. Gave up three Ernie's, pitched the full inning. But I mean, it, the game basically ended the game for the Royals at that point. And it's not like I'm saying that, like, there, there was obviously going to be some sort of regression to the mean because Taylor Clark is not Mariano Rivera. But it just, it just sucks that that's the way it needed to go. Still got a three three uh, three six six ERA. He's got a three to one K to walk ratio. Like, there's still something valuable there. It's just funny that the minute that we talked about it is when it ended. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Once you give him his flowers, then he just throws them on the ground right in your front, right in front of your face. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is it is what it is. I mean, I I felt like he was a little bit overachieving anyways. He's is yeah. still point. What is it? It is X fip is four five seven. Yeah, I mean, I think that that pretty much tells you where he is. He was overachieving, but that's a that's an expected stat, not a counting stat. His counting stats were very good. His K rate was up. His walk rate was a little bit up, but still very, very good. And he comes into that game in Detroit, and you're like, all right, well, maybe he's going to rebound. And then he's the one who kind of gives up that Carpenter three-run bomb that ended the game for him. But not so fast, my friend. Shout out Lee Corso. Uh that ump absolutely screwed him. He should have been oh, out of that, God, out that, of that terrible. Yeah. That is a McKinstry should have K'd on that fourth pitch. Instead, he walks, gets next to, to Spencer Dorkelson, who K'd. And if that's a strikeout strikeout, that's the end of the inning. But instead, Carpenter gets a three-run bomb, which Taylor Clark did give up. It is, you know, that is above board. But the fact that he should have been out of that inning, should have been a clean inning, should have been a rebound. And we're back talking about Taylor Clark being great. So, I, I don't know about jinxing. It definitely ended the streak and did not look good the last two outings, but we'll see how he is and he kind of comes up. The interesting part about this, and I was listening to the Twitter spaces with Alex Duvall and David Lesky over on Sunday, and Lesky made he threw it out there that potentially Taylor Clark could bring Boer back more in a trade than Scott Barlow. And that kind of, I'm not here to disagree with that. Lesky is incredibly intelligent when it comes to baseball stuff. It just very much surprised me. He, he kind of yeah. used it on Clark having a great year. And he has another year of control over Barlow, so that kind of makes sense if you still believe in what Clark's done. But at the end of the day, Clark is still the one that you can really the coaching staff can really hang their hat on as far as like development, game plan, stepping up what he was last year compared to what he is this year. I think he is the best one outside of maybe Carlos Hernandez. Well, I mean, we could talk about him on another day, but he is definitely one of the success stories of this coaching staff. And if they're able to cash that in and get something very valuable for him in a trade, in a heartbeat, you take that, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, and he's still he's still red, some shade of red, in like six different things on Savant, mm-hmm. despite being 13th percentile. With rate. rate. Yeah, exactly. Wild. Uh, and he's not making much money the rest of the year. He's not going to make a ton in his ARB 2 and ARB 3 years. He's not a free agent until, I believe, 26. So he has, despite the last two games... They still need to trade him, I think. Like, it's not even they should. Like, I think people are going to bring up, oh, but then you don't have anyone in the bullpen. Like, it doesn't matter this year. It's probably not going to matter next year. They're also going to have a ton of guys coming in and out of the rotation slash bullpen, the pitching staff in general, 
um, to where it's not going to be a major loss. He hasn't been dominant. He's been good this mm-hmm. year. And I am with Josh. I think he has overachieved. And I do think that the other shoe is going to drop at some point. And if that happens after the trade deadline, then you're stuck. And you're like, well, now they can't get anything legitimate for him. And while he may not get a crazy haul, he's going to get something back that <clears throat> fits the fits the timeline better, fits what they want better, and that's really what you should go after. Mm-hmm. The Royals are in kind of a weird spot with, I think, Clark, Chapman, and Barlow at this point because, like, keeping them around, like, they're at the point now where those three guys are depreciating assets, and you need to strike all the iron is hot. And tonight, like, Chapman, the command was all over the place. Barlow was kind of shaky, but he got it done. Like, I'm not trying to take away from those. Not, not trying to Monday morning quarterback it, but and then Clark has gotten rocked the last couple of outings. Like, you wait too long, you may not get what you want, but it, you know, but if you trade them now, it may be peak value. But then, who the hell is going to close out games? Like, it's a, it's a really weird spot to be. But they need to strike very soon with this. If it's there, we'll see. If it's there, if it's there, like I'm not saying do anything drastic, but if it's there, like they need to make a move. Yeah. Um. We had uh, five promotions in the minor leagues uh, th- before a play on Tuesday. Uh, Jonathan Bolin and Christian Chamberlain, both pitchers, uh, going to Omaha. Chandler Champlain, who has been absolutely tearing up uh, quad cities, is going to Northwest Arkansas. John McMillan going with him. Uh, I don't think John McMillan, if he continues to pitch the way he has, uh, is going. He's not going to be long for Northwest Arkansas either. And then David Sandlin, who was just bullying guys in Columbia, moving up to Quad Cities, where I think it'll be a little more fair representation uh, for him there. And again, he may he may make that jump to to Double A here pretty soon as well if he continues to do what he's going to do. The other big story, and I don't know how we didn't talk about this last week, but oh, and all good things must come to an end. But coming into play tonight, uh, the Omaha Storm Chasers have won eleven consecutive games. Got themselves back over 500 after a really rough start to the year. They lost tonight, uh, but man, winning that many games at any level of baseball is extremely impressive. And for a an Omaha team that is mostly kind of the island of misfit toys, like it's a mix of guys that are just hanging on for dear life, like the Royals signed Danny Echeverria to a minor league contract, um, and guys that are just kind of waiting for their opportunity in uh in Kansas City just got some 40 man holdovers like it's a big deal for those guys to to get that start and even tonight like I know they lost but Alec Marsh had seven strikeouts in five innings only one walk he's got a 1.80 ERA so far in Omaha really good to see that because I think he's going to get a chance in Kansas City at some point this season uh really good really good start there the uh Omaha Storm Chasers pitching staff is real interesting all of a sudden uh these are all like moves that we kind of i guess if you've been following them the last few years you've been wanting to see what boland's got after his tommy johnson you wanted to see what uh chamberlain could do at a higher level both those guys are still you know boland's got 26 years old chamberlain's about to turn 24 i believe but it's time to start seeing what they've got in the tank so boland's kind of been uh been unlucky in northwest arkansas this year, 7.20 ERA, but his XFIP's 397. Uh, his K rate's up. His walk rate's about where you want it. So I'm excited to see what Bolin is in AAA. But Chamberlain's been nasty with 1.99 ERA. Maybe he's been overachieving a little bit. Yeah, his walk rate is very, very high, but still very, very good there in uh, uh, AA. But all of a sudden, that staff got Alex Alec Marsh, very important. John Heasley, which is, we'll see. Uh, Castillo, McArthur's had a few or like a really good outings here uh, lately. Uh, Johnny Bolin and then Anthony Veneziano is pitching your starters. I love it. Let's keep seeing with it. And you got Coleman, Snyder, Will Klein, and Chamberlain now in that bullpen. And that is a very fun four guys in that they're in that bullpen. So all of a sudden you've got nine to ten guys in that pitching staff that are at least very intriguing for Royals fans to pay attention to. So I'm uh, I'm gonna keep an eye on Omaha in this uh in the rest of the year for sure. One more thing. You mentioned James McArthur. I'd kind of forgotten about him just because he's been in sitting triple A. Now ERA is not great. It's five one two, but also 
I, I'm convinced that they're using the super happy fun ball in AAA because there's so many inflated ERAs. I don't know what to make of it, but he had 15 strikeouts in 16 innings in Lehigh Valley. Mm-hmm. He has 30 strikeouts in 19 and a third as opposed to 12 walks for Omaha since coming over to the Royals organization. So clearly they have found something with him to be able to unlock some of those strikeouts. He's mitigating enough walks that I think he's probably going to be fine. Um, he's getting hit around a little, but I'm not not incredibly concerned. But it is it is good to see that the Royals have figured something out with him, at least to get him to strike more dudes out at a higher clip. He's been in the bullpen, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, really, and I was going to hit on the Omaha staff, so Josh was very efficient there, like Daniel Lynch was on Tuesday night. Mm. Um, they It makes you wonder if this is what they're doing now when some of those guys, because like all of them, maybe all of them play an appearance or two or play some role on the big league team at some point. You're like, okay, whatever. Not all of them are going to pan out. You know, you'd be lucky to get a couple of them to actually like literally pan out and be valuable contributors. But if any of them do, makes you wonder if a Will Klein gets up to the big league club or Chamberlain gets up to the big league club or even guys we haven't brought up, like isn't TJ Sigma still out there somewhere? Going in double A. Double A bullpen. I don't think his numbers have been great. Okay. So any of those guys that are getting promoted, Viniziano, who has bounced back in a major way, get up to the big league club, get with the big league staff of Bowen Sweeney, what happens then? do they notice something that they were doing in the minor league level that they just can't get their hands on and say, hey, we're your coach, we're going to tell you to do this? It could be even better for some of those guys to get in that room and do something. So, um, of course, you have to perform at your promoted spot <laughs> before you get that extra promotion, and the Royals aren't necessarily in a hurry, but that's a lot of names we listed off. And mm-hmm. there's going to be the Jordan Lyles of the world and like the Royals are going to bring in, they're not going to say literally in 2024, every single kid is going to play. Um, That would be interesting. And they've already done a lot of that on the hitting side, but yep. you're going to see some of those guys coming in and out over the next couple of years. So it's something to watch. And Omaha is a fun team to watch over the past mm-hmm. few you know months and really this season in general. The timing on that is also interesting because a lot of these guys are going to be Rule 5 eligible at the end of the year. So it's time to start seeing what they're point. able to do at the upper yeah. level. Yeah, absolutely. Some other, some other notable performances across all uh, – so some John Rave, who was called up last week to AAA, hit 455 last week with eight RBIs. I don't know if he's – I don't know where he fits into the big leagues, but at least he's like he's certainly fun. Like he can go get it in center field, can really run. There's some raw power in there that he's starting to tap into a little bit more. Uh, certainly interesting. Anthony Veneziano, six and a third innings uh, shut. Only had two strikeouts, but again, no runs with a probably the super happy fun ball in AAA. Nice. Uh, Gavin Cross, it's obviously been really rough slotting for him this year, but this week, yeah. slash 300, 462, 500, six walks, three stolen bases. Hopefully he can keep, put, you know, stack a couple good weeks together and, and we're feeling a little better about where we're at with him. Noah Murdoch, a guy I kind of forgot about. Uh, he was a part of the 2019 class, I believe. Uh, 10 strikeouts in five innings. That's across two outings. 6-8, really funky, like a bowling ball sinker. Like the like the levers and the leverage he's able to create with those, with his, or like how long he is, uh, makes him really intriguing. The, the command has been all over the place for him the last couple of years. But I think we're going to, I think he's going to, you know, hopefully he's able to stack a couple of nice outings and maybe there's another pitcher that's tapped into something with this this new philosophy that we've been able to to roll out there. Any final thoughts from you guys? Nope. I'm I good. love baseball again. Yeah. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I, uh, I, baseball I'm just is happy more to fun here. when they're winning. Hashtag that's analysis. Hundred percent. Well, hey, we can't thank y'all enough for tuning into this episode. Hopefully, this gave you a little bit of a little shot of optimism uh, over the last couple of weeks. Hey, the Royals are five hundred in their last four games. Let's hope they can stack a couple more wins together this week. And uh, we will talk to you all next week. Thank you so much for the support. Be sure to drop a like on this video if you're watching on YouTube. Subscribe on all audio and video platforms. Don't miss an episode. It comes out every Wednesday, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard.
You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.